0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So what did you do last year that you hope doesn't catch up to you this year? You know that you're kind of hoping karma turned the page on the calendar with you? And you know that you only get so many chances, and so you're kind of like hoping that this brand new year gives you a fresh start, like kind of wipes the slate clean, and you get a brand new beginning. I'm not sure it works that way, but I think we're all kind of hoping that that is how it works when you start a new year. You know, we all like those really cool stories of people getting a second chance, right? Like, don't, it just touches you. Some of us go, Oh, that's so sweet but you hate to be the one that needs it. Anybody like, I never want to be the guy that needs the second chance. I'm I'm celebrating you when you get a second chance, I'm all for it, I want you to get a second chance. I just don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Because that means something had to go wrong the first time. That means we had to mess something up. And in fact, Laura and I, we have a little bit of a, a marriage hack. And so this is a freebie on the front end here. Really, not the point of my sermon, but it is is a little bit of a hack. I think we learned it from uh, a marriage conference, so you know you can take that for what it's worth. Um, But when we say something that immediately after it comes out of our mouth, we go, "Whoops! Yeah, that that wasn't what I meant to say." Or it's not just that it came out wrong; it came out the way I meant to say it but I shouldn't have said it <laughs> and uh, or it came out wrong or whatever it was, like you just, you, you get a little bit, you see their reaction and you go, uh-oh. I think this is mostly on the guy's end, but uh, we, our rule is this, um, you're allowed to call a do-over. And so we just go like this, we go, hey, I need a do-over, that whole thing there. Whatever that was, those last two minutes, I, I just need to, can we just clear the slate? Like I need a do-over, I need a fresh start. And then we will be like, all right, that's the deal. And so if you call a do-over, you kind of like, you can't get mad about what was just said. You kind of got to start over. Now you know, it doesn't undo everything. It doesn't fix everything. But you know, we, we want to create space that we realize we need second chances. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but maybe you've kind of come into 2020, and you're, you're like, right now, you're thinking to yourself, I need a do-over. Like, I, I look back at the last season of my life, and I'm like, yeah, that, that didn't go as planned. That, it didn't come out the way I meant for it to come out, or that didn't happen the way I meant for it to happen. And the challenge is the deed is done. Right? The words were spoken, the door was slammed, decisions were made, it was signed in pen, and it's a little too late, but you kind of wish when the calendar turned, you got a fresh start, like you get a, a do-over, and we know life doesn't really work that well. In fact, I think as a result, most of us carry into each new year a certain amount of guilt, or shame or just pain, where we feel like because of what we've done, we deserve things not to go well now. And it's, we might not call it karma, but it's kind of like karma. It's this idea that I'm gonna get back what I've done and I hope it doesn't catch up to me. And, and the thing about this is, when you see somebody else do things wrong that you believe deserve punishment, you kind of hope they get their karma. Right? Like that's why we laugh at those videos of people who like instant karma videos. Like you cut somebody off and then you wreck your car and we're like <laughs> and we like laugh about it. It's terrible, but we kind of all get a kick out of it. But then we're thinking to ourselves, "Oh no, what about me?" Like I'm going to I'm going to end up on the next video. And uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want instant karma, and I don't want delayed karma. And so here's what we do when we drag stuff from the previous year into a new year, and we're kind of hoping it doesn't catch up with us. Well, how exactly do you call for a do-over? And so here, here's what we do. Um, most people, we just displace it. We put it on others. Well, the only reason why I said what I said to you is because of what you said to me. And so we do is we we blame shift. It's not my fault, it's your fault. We we displace our anger. What most of you don't realize is when people are angry at you, really what they're doing is they're venting the anger they feel toward themselves. When they try to shame you, they're just letting out the shame they're carrying. And so this is a challenge, right? This whole karma thing, when we're afraid that it's going to catch up to us, we take out on others what we feel should be taken out on us. Or we just avoid so you start pushing away from people because you've done wrong, you've hurt someone, you you know that things are not going well, you, you know, you haven't done well in your life, and so you kind of begin to distance yourself from others. Maybe that's why you're pushing away from your spouse right now, or maybe that's why there's a rift in a relationship between you and your kids or your parents or a colleague or a someone who once was a close friend of yours because there's this guilt inside of you that's just causing you to push away from people and worse, maybe even pushing away from God. I would say one of the top reasons why people push away from God uh, is because they carry guilt and shame and they feel like God is out to get them and so they have to distance themselves from God for fear that God is the ultimate karma judge who is going to crush them with his gavel. And so we kind of, we push away from God, we isolate ourselves. And then the the third option, you know, so you can, you can displace it or you can avoid, or people will try to kind of course correct their karma. And the way you do that is you try to do a lot of good things to make up for the bad things. And you've done it, You've done it in your own home, in your relationships. You know, it came out wrong. You said the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. Maybe you did something worse than just saying the wrong thing. And so then you got to figure out a way to make up for it. And so you've lavished gifts on someone or you've tried to do, take them somewhere nice or you try to, you know, have a create a nice moment to make up for it. As if the good outweighs the bad and can kind of make up for it so you don't get back what you've done. And uh, so people do a lot of this. Uh, in fact, I would go so far as to say that's what religion is. Religion is, religion is an attempt to do good to outweigh the bad. And uh, you know, yet we all still go through life kind of hoping karma doesn't catch up with us. And so we carry a little bit of like this fear that a little bit of 2019 is gonna creep into 2020 and I'm gonna get back what I deserve. Um, I want, to, I want to bring you to a city, the city of Ephesus, where uh, the apostle Paul showed up and he began to tell people about Jesus. Now, the, the thing with the city of Ephesus is a very spiritual city, a lot of different temples. They had dozens of gods. But a couple of things about this city, and the reason I'm going to share this with you is their view about about, well, the things that they've done, right? And so they they would worship their gods to try to reverse the curse. I talked about this last week and hope that they would get a blessing from their gods. But, you know, as a way, part of the way they would worship their gods was it was a city known for the wealthy to take advantage of the poor. There was a lot of exploitation, Uh, But not only financial and economic exploitation, but uh, sexually. So there was sexual exploration, a lot of experimentation going on, and sexual exploitation. It was one of the early cities of sex trafficking. And uh, they would have prostitutes in all the different temples. People could come in and use them. And this was normal in a city of a quarter of a million people. And so the apostle Paul, he shows up and he's telling them about Jesus and to give up this old way of life. And he started the the church in the city of Ephesus. And so lots of new people came in and they joined the church, but new people brought their old ways with them. They brought their culture with them. And so the apostle Paul, he moves on to other cities and he's telling other people about Jesus. He eventually gets arrested for telling people about Jesus and he ends up in prison. In fact, prison on his way to being put to death. But from prison, he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus. And in that letter, chapter two, I want to read to you a little portion of this because the first part he's really trying to get their attention that when Whatever you've done, it's probably not gone well for you. And so that's kind of his starting point. So let's just jump in there. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. I mean, when you did what everyone else was doing, it wrecked your life. And not only the ways of the world, but the ruler of the kingdom of the air, meaning there's some type of spiritual force at work driving you to want to do wrong things. In fact, he makes that point, And the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And then he says, all of us fall into this category. All of us lived among them at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, this is not the good part. In case you were wondering. Here, I'm going I'm to try to summarize what Paul wrote for you. And it's this. He's describing what Jesus, other biblical authors would refer to as sin. That you and I have an instinct to do wrong things. To ignore the way of God, which is good and best for our life, and go in a direction that is not best, that hurts others, hurts us, and then will ultimately hurt us. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is this, look, when because of sin, every one of us are dead, spiritually dead, in our wrongdoing, because... We gave in to the urges of our own desires. It felt good in the moment to react in anger. And it does feel good, doesn't it? Until after, and then you go, whoops, what did I do? Oh, it felt good to give in to that sexual urge or impulse until after. And now you've got a life of regret and shame that can't be undone. And the Apostle Paul is saying, yep, we give into these cravings, into these desires that then wreck us and kill us. And there is some spiritual force at work compelling us, whispering in our ear, yep, that's gonna make you feel better. Yep, that'll make you rich. That's how you get ahead. You cheat, you cut corners. Don't worry about your integrity. You can do whatever you want. Lie, you'll get away with it, right? It's whispering in our ear and so we give in only to find out that sin, rejecting God's way and God's best, not only ruins your life, but causes spiritual death, which leads to an ultimate ruin of eternal judgment. That's how Paul landed it, right? He said, we all fit in the category of deserving of the wrath of God, God's judgment against sin. Now, if I just stop there, we all go, boo. This is the worst sermon ever. And it's a terrible letter if that's where the Apostle Paul stops. But he doesn't stop there. In fact, let's just jump back in. The very next verse, he goes like this. But because of his, God's, great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So what the Apostle Paul is writing is, you're not gonna, you don't have to displace your anger or blame shift. You don't have to avoid others or avoid God. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. The only thing you can do is receive God's rich mercy, becoming alive in Christ by his grace, which is how we are saved. And so the challenge I want to give you is this, you are new and you are being made new. I I want to challenge you. Really, actually, I I could add a third part to this. You were new, you were made new, you are being made new, and you will ultimately be made new. Let me say that again, because I left that part out. So here we go. You, You were made new when you believe in Jesus, You are in the process of being made new, and you will be ultimately made new at the final resurrection, okay? So what what does this mean, and how do we apply this to our life? Well, we we love the idea of getting a do-over, like what Laura and I would do in our marriage, kind of like, okay, can we just kind of reverse the clock and start over again? But you and I know that that's not how it works. You don't just get to go back 30 years, or 50 years, or 20 years, or how many ever years you need to go back to kind of start over. Um, And so what we do is we go, God help. And that's what the apostle Paul is saying. He goes, you can be made new and God will put you in a process of making all things new in your life. God wants to do a miracle in your life. And so the Apostle Paul writes it, just a few verses later, he writes it again this way. Let me read it to you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Boy, you know, this is so good. Let me just read this again. Is that all right? Just, I'm going to read it to myself, and you all just going to kind of listen in, all right? For it is by grace, that means the riches of God. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. What's the point he's saying here? We are rescued by God's rich mercy. It, God is rich toward us, and because of his rich mercy, he rescues us. Now here's the deal. If you want to do-over, If you want to undo karma, you only have two options. Here's your first option, it's called works. And that's what the apostle Paul is talking about. He goes, it is not by works that you are saved. Okay, so you can work at it, you can try really hard. You could do a lot of good, hoping that the good will outweigh the bad. Now, I don't know how this is gonna play out for you. Because you think about this, right? A guy gets arrested and charged for robbing a bank. And he has a couple, here's his defense. You know all the banks I didn't rob? (laughs) And half of the money I stole, I gave away. Guilty. You robbed the bank. It doesn't matter how much good you're trying to do, you still did the deed. You still spoke the words. You still slammed the door. It's done, it's too late, right? Um, And so you can work at it. And uh, you know, imagine yourself in a flood and you're not just drowning, you are drowned. How much effort can you put in to rescue yourself? What do you do to get out of that flood if you are not just drowning, but you are drowned? Would you admit that there's nothing you can do in yourself to get yourself out of this horrific situation. And so when the Apostle Paul says, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, he is saying there is nothing you can do to get yourself out of this mess you got yourself in. But this is all that religion offers. And you're thinking to yourself, wait, I'm in church. This is kind of like religion. Uh Uh-uh. Let me give you what religion offers. Religion says you have to work at it. Every religion does this. And, they all, and that's why a lot of people will say, well, they all lead to the same God. All, all religions are, are all, they're all the same kind of different paths to the same result. And, and I could see why, they're, why the people would believe that. Because every religion offers you one way, works. And, and they have different paths of works to get to heaven, paradise, nirvana, ultimate arrival, right? And so some of them would say this, you've got a a, uh, self-growth or more education or enlightenment or living in harmony with others and with nature. Um, Others would, you know, they might say you have to strictly follow the rules or live a life of strict discipline. And if ever you break a rule, you've got to quickly repent and hurt yourself or do something to yourself to kind of pay the penalty for what you've done, right? It's all works-based. And maybe you've been trapped in that. Maybe you've been working really hard. It would be like a caterpillar trying to work really hard to become a butterfly. It doesn't matter what it does. On its own, it's not going to physically become a butterfly, right? Like, no matter how hard it works. Um, And and so here is the challenge, right? Like, you're left with that as one option. Well, what's your other option? This is what the Apostle Paul is writing about. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved it is not by works so that no one can boast. He goes, it is not only by grace you've been saved through faith, but this not of yourself. Even the faith that you use to receive grace is given to you by God. In essence, you're drowned. And even anything that you do is done really by God to rescue you. And so what's the other option? So you have works on one side, you have grace on the other. Grace means God did the work. Here's grace. Jesus did all of the work to rescue you and I, and the only thing we can do is receive grace through faith which is not of ourselves. It's a gift from God so that no one can brag about it. Meaning no one who receives Jesus Christ gets to go, man, look at all that I've done to receive this amazing gift. Look how good I am. No, you were drowned just like I was. Jesus dove into the waters of our sin, of our death, of our eternal judgment. Jesus put his arm around us, pulled us out of the water. How did he do this? Well, one of the things that you notice as you read through the Bible, the story of God, the sacred story of how God interacts with man is this. You discover that the message of the Bible is that God took karma on us. He took on our karma so that we wouldn't have to. Every time you think someone deserves what they got, every time you think that you probably deserve it and it's coming your way, It's coming around to get you, right? Every time you kind of feel that, that guilt, that shame, that's what Jesus took. He he became the target of your karma, the target of what you deserve, so that when he died on the cross, he absorbed all of it, all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the guilt, everything that we think we deserve and others deserve, so that when he died, he died once for all, But Jesus didn't stay dead. In his resurrection, he conquered sin. He freed you from that choking grip of sin, what the apostle Paul wrote about. When he said we give in to the cravings and desires, he transformed us and freed us from the grip of sin on our life. And he liberated us from a life headed toward death and forever ruin. In his resurrection, he gave us the gift of new life. So, when you believe in Jesus by faith, you receive grace through faith, which makes you new. Now, listen to me. This is important. When you believe in Jesus Christ by faith, you were saved. In that moment, you were instantly saved. You were instantly made new, which means you are not what you once were. You you don't have to carry the shame from the past. You don't have to carry the guilt from the past. You are not what you once were. So stop letting that stuff run through your mind. Stop believing that you it's coming back to get you. That doesn't mean you're not going to have to deal with the consequences, but spiritually you are made new. But, but it's a journey. You are being made new. You are being saved. There's a process of God kind of cleaning up our desires, our attitudes, our, the way we think, the way we live. But we also have this amazing hope that at the end of time or when my life comes to an end, I will be saved into eternity, into paradise with God, and I will be made ultimately new. My old body will put on a new creation. My, the things that used to die, the, the part that of me that falls apart is gonna be made new and perfect in God. And, and, and check this out, right? So not only does Jesus dive into the mess of our lives where we drowned, and he rescues us, right? He makes us new. But then the, the apostle Paul continues and he says this, and God raised us up. Not only does he pull us out he breathes life into what was dead. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He not only rescues us, breathes life into us, but then he brings us home. And when he brings us home, he goes, oh, by the way, today I am making you a prince or a princess in my royal kingdom. And now you have access to all the wealth and the riches of the kingdom of heaven. So it's not just a a rescue, it's a rich rescue. You are richly given mercy. God lavishes his grace on you. And then it doesn't stop there. Check this out. I wanna read to you two verses that hope you really can put practically in motion in your life. When you think about being made new, you are being made new and you will be ultimately made new. Check it out. This is what the apostle Paul writes in verse seven and verse 10. He does all of this in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ, meaning Christ Jesus. What he's saying is throughout time, I wanna show off how rich I am. God's saying, "I I wanna show off my generosity through your life for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." Huh, well, that's interesting. What's the point? We are made new to live new. There's something new that God wants you to do. He makes you new and then he gives you a new way of life. So you were made new, you are being made new. This is the process of living new. So God is at work in you, when you believe in Jesus by faith, to think in new ways, to react in new ways, to speak in new ways, to handle your finances, In new ways. But not just that, the Apostle Paul says this you are the handiwork of God, meaning God is at work in your life like a masterpiece, and He is the master craftsman, and your life is His handiwork. God is doing a good work in you so that He can do a good work through you. You kind of see where I was going with that? All right. And and so we're going back to this word works. And it's kind of funny, because you go like, wait, I thought that I don't have to do works. Okay, so here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You don't get saved by works, but you get saved to works. Follow me. There's nothing you could ever do to earn God's grace or salvation. But once you receive what Jesus earned because he took on what we deserved. So once you receive what Jesus earned, you begin to do good works. You do new things that you could not do before. And so I want you to get this. This is really important. When you believe in Jesus by faith and you meet someone who hasn't yet made that decision yet, you are not better than them. You're just new. Did you catch that? It's like a butterfly being a caterpillar. I'm not better, I'm just new. I've been transformed by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I, and I kinda wanna invite you, the caterpillar, to experience what it means to be made new through faith in Jesus Christ, this transformational metamorphosis that happens through faith in Jesus Christ. And so when you believe in Jesus by faith, you are made new to good works. And, and so I, I really wanted this to get in your mind because it's actually not the work that changes, It's just that when you're a caterpillar kind of person doing the work because your motivations aren't right, your selfishness gets in the way, it turns good work into bad work. We talk about this in our own home. Kind of like doing the dishes, but you're mad. So you're slamming things and you're muttering the whole time. Is that a good work or a bad work? Well, it, meaning you did the dishes, but you didn't actually accomplish anything. You didn't help anybody, right? Because you didn't do it with the right attitude. So it's interesting that you could take, and that's how you and I live our whole life. It's like we're constantly doing the dishes, slamming dishes, breaking things, muttering under our breath, making a scene, and it's making the whole house upset. Can you tell we deal with this? Okay. So here's the deal, right? When you believe in Jesus by faith, you are made new and he makes you new to good works. What he does is he takes the work that's in front of you, he transforms you so that it becomes a good work. You bring a good attitude to the work that's in front of you so that God can show off his generosity through you and your goal is to worship God in whatever you're doing and the work that you are doing becomes a good work. Suddenly, when dishes was a bad thing, now it becomes a good work because you have a good attitude and you want God's grace, God's generosity to shine through your life. So how can God take the work that's in front of you and turn it into a good work by putting his grace into what you're doing? How can you allow God's grace to flow through you in the work that you're about? Maybe it's just a slight shift. Instead of cheating, following the rules. Instead of mumbling and muttering under your breath, taking on a better attitude. Instead of disrespecting and disregarding your employer, honoring and being diligent. Could it be that the work God's put in front of you is a good work, but because there's bad in us, we've muddied and messed it up and we've turned a good work into a bad work and God wants to bring you back to good works. See, here's the deal. Good works doesn't mean you got to only be doing it in church or for the church. You could do good works in church, but you can do good works out of church and you can do bad works in the church, right? Cause you could be doing dishes for life house and mumbling and muttering under your breath and you're not really doing a good thing. So it's not, a different, it's not a matter of whether you're doing it for the church or not. It's all, it can all be good works. It doesn't, there's not, a, I know some of you maybe when you grew up maybe in an environment of church where you heard about like it's sacred or secular, meaning it's, it's, um, it's for the things of God or it's not. There, when it comes to good works, there is no sacred or secular. Anything you're doing, if it's, if it's God honoring, can be good works if your heart is being made new. And so mom... When you get up with that little one, make it a good work. And when you're taking care of those bills, make it a good work. When you're on your way to work, do good work in your driving. (laughs) And when you're at work, be diligent, be faithful, be God-honoring so that it's a good work. Now look, when you live like this, you were made new. Man, you now, you now know karma's not out to get you. You don't, you don't need a do-over. God made you new. He cleared the past. He's giving you a fresh start. You're in a new season. Why don't you let 2020 be a new season? But tw- it's not gonna be a new season just because the calendar turned. It's gonna become a new season because you allow God to make you new, and he is at work making you new, giving you good works. I don't know about you, but when I think about being made new, I want everyone to know. And so I want to give you a a final responsibility. I want you to share with people around you about how good your God is. I, I want to do this. Just tag. You're it. Come on. Get out there, talk to your friends, invite someone out to house. I promise you, we'll do our best to create a welcoming environment. Those of you that serve on the Dream Team, you're going to make it an exceptional environment. We hope that people's lives are changed because we believe that life change happens here. There's people that you need to talk to about Jesus. There's people you need to talk to just simply about your experience with Jesus. There's people that you need to invite out to church. And so I want to do this. Simply tag your it. All right? Now you get out and you invite your friends so they can experience the good God, so they don't get caught in religion, so they don't get caught in karma chasing them down. Now let's close it with this. I wanna invite you, each of you, each of our campuses right now. Just close your eyes. I think there's some of you here who when I told the little marriage hack about needing a do-over, you were like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I need that. And right now you need a do-over. But God doesn't offer do-overs. God wants to make you new. But if that's where you're at right now, and if I would have paused right then and said, how many of you need a spiritual do-over? You need God to, make, to give you a fresh start. Well, that's exactly what's being offered right now. Here's what i like to do. Just invite you to raise your hand. Say, yep, at each of our campuses right now. Would you just raise your hand and say, yep, I need that do-over. I need a spiritual, fresh start. Would you just raise your hand high? I hope you're not going to be shy right now. Man, raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me too. I get it. That's where I'm at. And some of you, you, you but you've, um, you've gone to church your whole life. You've done the religion thing, but you are doing it in your effort. And now you're like, I just needed Jesus' effort. I just needed Jesus' grace. And if you're ready to receive that grace, would you raise your hand? All right, I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you. Jesus, thank you that you didn't come to earth to make us work harder, to make us earn it. We know what we deserve, and so you took what we deserve on you. When you died on the cross, when you rose again, and you offer forgiveness, and we are saved through faith. And it's grace that's given, it's a gift. And so God, we receive that gift by faith right now. And we know that we are made new, we are not what we were. And God, I believe, Across this place, across the Life House right now, there are people, even people who are Jesus followers, that they need to just declare that right now. I am new. I am not what I was. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I, in fact, can I invite you again at each of our cameras? I want you to respond. I want you just to say that right now. Ready? Would you say this with me? I am new. I am, new. I am not. What I was, I I am new new. In in Jesus. All right, I want to invite you to stand with me right now. We're going to go into a song, and that's what we're going to declare, that God is at work making all things new. God is doing a new work in you. He has made you new. He is making you new, and he will ultimately make all things new. Would you sing this out with me right now?